Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life uh, in a variety of topics. As we get started here today, I think we're going to have a, a good podcast. Did you ever a just great have, attitude. You ever just have one of those feelings like feeling the, the pre-show uh, banter has been lively. So that's what I'm going off of right now. We got maybe all got a good night's sleep or something. I don't know. Maybe uh, the snow day. We had a snow day yesterday. I mean, I still worked. I was gonna say, but I was the office was empty. It was awesome. That was me. Yeah, Brent was here for a little bit. Very quiet. That's why I stayed home. It was yeah. uh, my kids were out shoveling and snow blowing and uh, Build working. Snowmans? They do working snowman. Must building. be nice to have kids doing your snow for you. Yeah, I got out there a few times. <laughs> we had to shovel a f- like four times. So yeah, you had a foot at your house, and we had over that at my house, probably closer to fifteen inches, probably. Yeah. Did you guys do snowman snow they didn't, fight. They didn't. Yeah, I mean, we we did a little bit, but not like not like when you're like six and yeah, seven, eight year old. They're cool now. They would I rather just go inside. And I was like, go sled, like go find the neighbor kids, and yeah, it wasn't. There's video games and stuff, and warm inside. Yeah, they played like board games, and I don't know. It just wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Mostly because we were working. Amy was working. I was working. It's one of those days you're like, should we have played more? I think we should have played more, maybe. I don't know. I didn't play it all yesterday either. So Yeah. Well, hopefully, listen in. You got some playtime play time to be had. Sledding Hill at your oh, house is open. Sledding Hill is looking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So. The only thing it needs now is it needs some compaction. So we need some big people on some big tubes to go down. <laughs> You know, We're recruiting all big people, yeah. well, you like know, an adult to go down before the kids. Yes, That's what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> I drove I drove home last night. You never right? know how what you say on the podcast can be misinterpreted. <laughs> like yes. The, my phrasing, apparently, yeah. can have different terms. <laughs> and we're not going to uh, talk about that. Okay. Uh, I drove home at probably like 4, 4.30, and Mission Park over here by the church just packed with people sledding. Of course it was, yeah. They were getting it. Very popular sledding area. Get out and get on it. At, yep. The uh, the sledding is good. Yeah, I put it, my whole winter gear on. I brought my coat out. You know, it's only gonna get better. Snow pants. I was in it for shoveling the snow, but no fun. Yeah, no snowmen or sledding hills or. So where we're headed, I think, too, in the podcast today, I'd like to talk about miracles and like the lack of miracles. It's kind of where we left off in Matthew, the end of Matthew thirteen, and as we jump into fourteen, and we're in the series waiting for a miracle. Um, st- started that this last Sunday. And then there's this great, not great, that's the wrong, interesting scandal that is in chapter 14. Oh, yeah, man, I dug deep into it. This is this is the, uh, histo- the history of what's happening here. Is, this is a really cool transition in Matthew's gospel and a lot of deep stuff that he kind of just summarizes that's uh, super, super interesting that we'll get into today. And I wanted to share you, with you guys, this. I got this cool good news text yesterday. Um, from my old neighbor who, I think it was last spring, he sold this. Well, Not he the drug dealer one. No, we don't keep in touch. <laughs> um, different neighbor, next door, right next door. Uh, he owns a house, still rents it. Anyways, a single guy, mid-20s, and he he lived there for about a year. So we had a few meals together. His parents from back east came in, hung out with him. His dad's a triathlete. We did some workouts together. You know, just neighborly stuff. Not like super, super Being tight. a good neighbor. Yeah. Um, first time he had a house, so help him with a lot of like, he'd be like, Scott, do you know about, yeah, well, do you, have you ever. plumbing. How do yeah. I turn off my water? Do you know about sprinklers? Yeah. What about this deck? I was thinking about like, have you ever raised quail in your garage? <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, no. Yeah, oh yeah, do that's you, everybody does that. Do you go? He goes, how many quail do you think I can have? I don't know. For what purposes? He was. I don't know. To eat? You'd, yeah. The eggs? Yeah, like, he was raising you, them. Why do you raise quail? Quail. He wanted to get chickens. He's not like in the micro. Like he's the micro farm thing. Yeah. Interesting. He's from Seattle, right? He's from a lot of places. Okay. Oregon, Seattle, anyway, ba- you got back an awesome east. Text from him. Yeah, and he um, first time having a house, so he's exploring all these options. When you just live in like as an adult in an apartment, you're like, wait, I could, I could throw some chickens out. The other neighbors have chickens. Anyways. He goes, hey, hey, Scott, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Life has been pretty swell for me. I got some goats now. <laughs> so that's why I had to give you a little, where, little where context. Where did he move to? Uh, just a couple miles down. Okay. I got a different house. He's got some goats now, though. Got some goats. So that's, that's why it's funny. Is he in a neighborhood with goats or has yeah. he got some uh, acreage? Uh, we, have to, we have to dive more into that. Oh, no, yeah, pretty sure he bought in this neighborhood. I haven't been to his new place. <laughs> got some goats now and found Jesus. What? Yeah. He led with the goats, though. He led with the goats, but it's super cool. I got cool. Some goats and I got Jesus. goats. I found goats and I found Jesus. Um, Is that going to be the title of the podcast today? <laughs> goats and Jesus. Goats and Jesus. No, super great. Like, he came to Christmas Eve last yeah, year. We invited him. Um, and just shared Jesus with him off and on, you know, through through being a neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he, and I think the biggest catalyst was he met a girl last spring, and it's his current girlfriend. He was texting about maybe doing something for him, her cabinets whatever but um she was starting to go to church or she she was at church so he was like yeah uh he came over one day he's like i'm uh i think he was i said i'm pentecostal now (laughs) i think is what he said and he was just saying i'm going to this pentecostal church with my girlfriend but you know his association was sure so I don't know. I that's, said that's, that's cool. great. I'd love to hear more about what that means. That's uh, very cool. I'd love to hear more about the goats and Jesus. Not the goats so much. I mean, we'll come over and see the goats. I think that'd be a good title for today's podcast, Goats and Jesus. I don't know how the goats fit in. That's like a whole Matthew 25, right? Well, that gets people and sheep. curious enough to want to listen to the podcast. Is it? I, I listen to a message. <laughs> I don't know like, that What did goats have to do with oh. Jesus? I got to listen to Well, there's this. goats in scriptures. I don't know. That's that. Well, but Jesus, I thought it was cool. Before we get too focused on the goats, Jesus I just, is going to separate the sheep from just, the goats. I yes, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> one of these oh, years, I was just excited. He was uh, he found Jesus. Yeah, and he so, should be. Your um, influence was part of that. Yeah, small part, and just happy to share Jesus with people. And so I'm, I said, yeah, I'd love to know more. Love to hear more about you know mm-hmm. what that means and what's going on. So yeah, super cool, super cool. But let's dive in. Unless you guys had a goat text that you wanted to read. <laughs> Let's dive in here with... Um, My neighbors used to have goats. I don't know what happened to the goats. Maybe they still have them. They don't yell as much as they used to. So, I think the fainting goats are awesome. Do they still have the goat downtown at River? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the trash. Yeah, the they trash redid goat? some of yeah. that stuff, but yeah. yeah. I don't think you can get rid of that. It's like the clock tower and it's the, iconic. It's the iconic, carousel. Yeah. It's part of, in the wagon now. It's part of I Spokane. haven't been down there in a long time. Yeah. It's part of Spokane Landia. Have you been on the carousel since they changed it all up? No. No, but I did just walk by the goat the not too long ago. It's still there. Sometimes it wouldn't work. As a little say, kid, you'd go to push the button and it wouldn't yeah. it was like the biggest disappointment. So have you ever wondered where does the trash go? No, uh uh-uh. uh. No. Into a trash bin. The goat's but belly. But where you don't see it. It must be a ways away. It's a vacuum. Behind it. There's a big rock. Anyway. Uh, Jesus. So I don't know if we covered this and tremendously, um, but with this new series, Waiting for a Miracle, uh, Matthew 13, 58, 
and he did not do many miracles be- there because of their lack of faith. Mm-hmm. Did we did we kick that around on the podcast? tremendously? I feel like it was no, kind of an add-on. No, I don't think we on. got into the end, and yeah. even Matthew's way that he does it. And Luke, and I'm actually going to talk about it this week. Luke dives into it a little bit more into this synagogue situation in Jesus's hometown, right? And so Matthew just kind of bleeds over it, like, "Hey, these are the people who are like recognizing him as." Dude, we know you. We grew up with you. We played tag in the streets. You're not anybody special. Your dad's a carpenter. Like we, we know you. We know your sisters. We know your brothers. And now you're saying again, Matthew doesn't. You think it. Jesus used a little bit at super speed, like playing tag? Like he just, <laughs> just, speed. just ramped it up just a click. Like nobody could notice. No, no, just a little superhuman. Nope. Just a little faster. Nope. Okay. I mean, maybe, but nope. Uh, but basically, you know, he he makes this proclamation. You know, I this, he reads, in, you know, Luke's gospel, he reads a scroll about Isaiah and the coming Messiah and the promises that God's made, the miracles that God has promised from the Old Testament. It's like, yep, this is happening. It's me. And then he kind of like drops the mic, like, peace out. And they're like, whoa, what? Because like this, this is not an un, unnatural thing to happen in the synagogue where they read these scriptures. But most of the time they would have said something like, isn't that cool? God's going to do this. Let's. You know, pray that God would come again and that, that he will be here soon. Amen. Love love God. And Jesus doesn't do that. He goes, yep, this is me, and, like, walks away. And they're like, what? That's not normal. And then that's when, and, you know, Matthew at the end goes, these people are like, nah, we're out. It couldn't be him. We know him too well. And they don't have faith. They don't believe that Jesus is who he says he is and is going to do what he says he's going to do. So over the years, I've heard a lot of people comment on this very theme of uh, whether you have enough faith or not and all that in, in such a way as to suggest, in fact, some people actually believe that faith is the only factor. If you have enough faith, anything's possible. And if it's not happening, it's because you don't have enough faith. And that's clearly not what the Scripture teaches, and that's, that's a really um, skewed and, and unbalanced view of what God says on this subject. However... Faith is a factor, a big factor. Jesus is capable of anything. He does lots of miracles in lots of cities, but not in his own hometown because of their unbelief. And, and it's, it's, it doesn't leave us you know, wondering if that's what it means. He plainly says that's the reason, that, that their unbelief was the inhibiting factor with regard to his ability to do miracles. In other words, he was able to do the miracle. He wanted to do the miracle. He wanted to heal people. He wanted to, you know, do the stuff that people needed to demonstrate his identity as the Messiah. But he couldn't. And the only reason there was because of their unbelief. So, you know, whether something's part of the will of God, that's a factor. Uh, whether, you know, in other words, whether the Lord wants to do something. Um, you know, you don't have to get to know the Lord very well before you realize anything is possible. He can do it. But part of the journey as we follow Christ is discovering what are the things that he wants to do? Of course, he can do it, but does he want to? What, what is in his will? What's not in his will? So there's those two factors, can he and will he, or does he want to, and then my faith. And, and then another factor is the other person or the other person's faith or response. For example, I'm praying for you know, a loved one to come to, to Christ. Is God able to save that person? Sure. Does he want to save that person? Absolutely. Is he working in that person's life already before I ever pray? Of course. Um, And I have faith to believe that that person is going to come to Christ, but that person has a free will. So 
anyway, it gets, it's important for us, I guess what I'm saying is that it's important for us to keep a balanced view, not to minimize or be dismissive of faith because sometimes it is because you don't have enough faith that stuff doesn't happen. But that's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really the only two times, correct me if I'm wrong on this, that's recorded like Jesus was amazed. Yeah, we talked wowed. about that on the podcast. Yeah. Just yep. that. The amount of faith and then the lack of faith. Yeah, just the, the, the awe that Jesus was in. Do you remember the two instances? Oh, well, it's quiz time here quiz on the time. podcast. Cue the music. Well, one is the, the soldier's uh, daughter. The, the soldier's daughter. He was amazed. And, and the other one was the Syrophoenician woman, the. Syrophoenician. Uh, well, I, I think that's the King James. Man, we didn't even give it like that a breathing time for people at home to play along. We just jumped right oh, in. Oh, I didn't know people line on like uh, the radio, right? Oh, the texters right. know the answer to that one. Right after the break here. Uh, yeah, we've talked about that a little bit on the podcast. This this idea of faith is huge and massive in Jesus. And, and in both cases, they're not Jewish. They're yeah, not. They're and they're choosing to trust in it. Jesus is like amazed in awe mm-hmm. of of their faith. Because what if somehow Jesus did the miracle in your life, and then, for whatever reason, it actually made you drift away from God? Mm-hmm. Like, would you would you sign up for the miracle knowing that ahead of time? I think most people that are following God would go, no. Because, like, what if you, like, took credit for it because it was my faith, and so your faith was actually, like, a faith in your own ability to somehow make it happen, manufacture it. It's because I prayed that this happened. Yeah. And then that began the pathway of like, you know, self-reliance and drift you away from God. I think many times that that's exactly what's going on. We we pray for something and God's like, you know, I'd love to be able to give that to you. And maybe under different circumstances I might. But but I know this about you and what you're asking for, that if I give you what you're asking for, it's going to have that effect on you. Well, I mean, it's going to be destructive to your faith. That's where most preachers go with, you know, Paul and the thorn in his flesh that, you know, He's praying for this thing to happen, and God's like, no, my grace is good enough. And it, Paul's relationship with God and prayer life, you know, it's a lot of times we pray to move the hand of God, and a lot of times it's like we pray and God wants to move our hearts, the hearts of man, towards him, and dependence and reliance on him. Um, again, that's kind of what we're talking about with this series, the Waiting for a Miracle. It's like, are you, is your faith on God, or is your faith based in who God is or what God does for you? Mm-hmm. And if we have a relationship with God that's just... Hey, I need this now. I need this thing. I need you to do the, you know, the spiritual, you know, magic trick and and do the things. And we're going to read today about the stuff that he does and can do. Yep. Um, but is our now, faith in him or what he does? Yeah. But at the uh, same time, point. the hard part is to hold the, the tension of like not reducing because when you're like, oh, it's just in God, and you settle into there the foundation of like I'm, my faith is in God and Him alone, I'm satisfied. It's really hard then to have a strong faith, but God, do the thing. Come through. Provide the miracle. Because it's just hard to have both of those. Like for It almost feels like for me a teeter-totter. If one goes up, the other one goes down. And Jesus invites us to have both up high. It's like when John says, you know, Jesus came full of grace and truth. It wasn't like 50% grace, 50% truth. He was full 100% grace yeah. and 100% truth. Correct. And we feel that tension in life. like, And we think, we think grace is like kindness and niceness and doormat type Christianity. People run over you because you're just sweet and kind. And right. that's not really what it means. And the truth is like when you're mean and really aggressive and you tell them what you really think, like that's true, which that's <laughs> incorrect altogether. But you can't be like super compassionate and super truthful. And yet Jesus was, and that's the way he advised us to live. Same with, thing with miracles. 
God, I believe in you, and you're sufficient, and you're enough, and I know things eternally get worked out, and everything gets made right, and healing, and restoration. Uh, there's no more tears, and there's no more sadness. It's just the garden of Eden that you promised, um, that we live in, and dwell in your presence, and flourishing. And at the same time, God, move now, here, on yeah. this earth, but, in this place. But you, your point on Sunday, and the point that you know I was really driven for this series, is that in searching for the miracle, whatever that is, fill in the blank, the health, the healing, the wholeness, the freedom, the um, it's so easy to miss out on the miraculous that is Jesus, Emmanuel, this time of year, Jesus with us, Holy Spirit inside of us, the daily breath in our lungs, the miracle that God is and is continuing to be. And for me, and lots of experiences I've had and with my friends, it's so easy, again, as you talk about the teeter-totter, we raise up this miracle, like, I need healing or I need freedom I'm addicted, whatever it is. I need this, God. I need you to show up. And we miss out on like how crazy miraculous it was that God came from heaven to earth, born to a virgin, lived a sinless life, died a death on a cross, defeated death, rose again, and lives in us. Like, I mean, come on, right? So then that, yeah. then that tension, we're like, oh, yeah, but that, I mean, that's, that doesn't, well, what does that mean for me today? I mean, it means everything for you today. And so for us in that tension going, like, let's, let's elevate that. And then in the fact that that same God, can do this and I'm seeking him but even if he doesn't even if I now I had cancer and it doesn't go away he still did this and that's I, mean, I have eternity with him and an abundant life through him and so it's tough though the, the single biggest miracle God ever does in any of our lives is cause us to be born again the, the, the fact I mean talk about supernatural intervention it to take uh, our spirits that are dead in sin and trespasses and separate from God and without hope and cause them to be a lot, cause our spirit to come alive again. That's God turning the light on spiritually in an eternal way. It's the single biggest miracle. This was part of the conversation when Jesus sent the disciples out and, and he gave them power to cast out demons and heal the sick and all that. And they came back from that experience and they go, Oh, that was amazing. We, we healed people and we, you know, cast out demons. And Jesus said, don't celebrate that. Celebrate this. Celebrate that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And yet, how many times have you heard people like, I've just never seen a miracle. Like, I don't feel like I've seen God do a miracle. And they're Jesus followers. Yep. And well, then you point that fact out. Like, no, you're, you're, you know, from death to life, new creation. You're like, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 I guess. But not really. Like, yeah, I want to see lame walk, like, blind uh, see, yeah. limb grow. And I, I think a lot of people see that if they recognize that and agree, yeah, that is a miracle. That's awesome. Thanks for pointing that out. I'm glad to be reminded. But that's at the bottom of the list, and all the other miracles that I'm talking about are actually bigger and better. No, the top of the list is the new birth. But again, everything else is as less humans, than that. It's, we're here and now, and I got this thing, and it's immediate, and it's yeah. dire. I mean, it's, it's terminal. Like, it's a big deal. And, yeah. and it's not to minimize what people are struggling with and dealing with emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Um, but it's so easy, right? Just to this is front and center. Like yep. that, I mean, that happened when I was twenty, and and now I'm sixty, and I got this need. Uh, and so, for us to again manage that tension and and realize and slow down. And at the uh, same time, I have a, such a deep desire to see God move in ways yeah. that is just. Yeah. There's no question for the people involved and in, in witnessing it. Go, that's God. You yeah, know? like to experience God in that way. Sure, is so powerful it is to get powerful. a text from a neighbor who's like, I found Jesus. Yep, like it's powerful. Like so, I so to keep that desire mm-hmm. and not have it be a teeter totter is what I'm striving for. I think for. you're spot on as far as maintaining the balance. It, it's not either or; it's both and. 
Um, yeah, so even like for me, the word balance, I get the teeter-totter visual. I'm trying to equal those out. Like, okay, so my faith and this so that they're on equal plane. Like there's an imbalance for me. And it's a helpful way to think about it. Like it is contrary to the world to have an it so it's imbalanced to that teeter-totter, if you will, of hundred percent faith in God that He is sufficient and enough. I got and then you. Both sides of the teeter percent like, God work now and like, yeah. <laughs> I got this you. doesn't even work physically, but it works spiritually. It does. I, I'm going to go back to what you said about um, sometimes the Lord doesn't give us what we ask for because we'll take credit for it or think, oh, that, that happened because I've got such great, awesome or, faith. Yeah, or it's not part of his overall or not part of his plan, overall plan in that moment. And, and the reality is that sometimes it is exactly because I had faith and believed him for it. And in this chapter that we're in right now, Peter walks on the water. Now, it, did Peter walk on the water because he had faith? Yes. Yeah, in absolutely. fact, when he started to sink, Jesus said, why did you doubt? Yep. Your faith was what was making it possible for you to walk on the water. And when you doubted, you started to sink. Why did you do that, Peter? So it was his faith. But was it Jesus? Yes. It was 100% both. It was, and it, Jesus is power, and it's a trust in Jesus. It's not, um, even how we talk about that is tricky. It's Peter's faith. Like, he owns it, possesses it. Right. To the extent that... It's the source of his ability to walk on the water. Right. I, I skipped over the key thing was, Lord, if that's you, command me to come to you. So yeah. it was God's will. But it's Peter's response. But it was Peter's yeah. response. And if he was like, no, I don't believe it's you, or I'm going to sink and I'm not going to make it, I'm, you know. Then he would have stayed different. in the boat and missed out on an awesome experience. Yeah. But he had a trust in God, in Jesus at the moment, that this, through the Spirit's work, like he could just stand on it. Yeah. So that's, that's the beauty of uh, following Jesus each and every day because I think we're faced with these challenging moments and situations and circumstances. Um, just to trust today, like everybody listening, I'm sure would have a moment going, God, you are my provider. I may not see it right now in the whatever it is I need provision for, but you are the provider and I can look to you and trust you and my faith is in your power and your wisdom and your ability to provide. If I need some decision-making wisdom, if I need some relational healing, I need some financial provision, I just need rest for my soul because there's some a hurriedness and a busyness and an angst inside, faith is in Jesus. Yep. And he's enough. Yep. And we're faced with that each and every day. Shall we talk about the death of John the Baptist? Yeah, should we get into, I feel like this is like keeping up with the Herods. It's like a, like a yeah. behind is the scenes. Is that a TV series? Um, Don't think so, not yet. But yeah, so... We got we got Herod, um, which is a universal term for like a ruler. Right. What's the family name? The surname. Yeah. Is that a surname? It's, yes. So Herod's the ruler, the from the Roman appointed ruler Herod over the, the great. And so this is Herod Antipas is the son of Herod that we learned about at the beginning of Matthew. We talked about Herod who wanted to kill Jesus, all that kind of stuff. So same name, basically it's like Herod Junior. Um. It's, it's kind of like they put the last name first and then the yeah. first name. Yeah, and so, um, but as we'll learn, he has other brothers. Um, so when Herod died, there's actually three sons. I, d I went deep dive on the history here. Uh, and so they each split kind of regions here. And so up in Galilee, where Jesus is doing the bulk of his ministry, this Herod, Herod Antipas, is the ruler. Um and I, I just love I just love the way Matthew does this. So he sets this out. I, I think this is interesting. He tells us this, right? Um, this is kind of the crux of Jesus. He's getting famous. He's getting popular. 
he's trending. And so now this is the point where people are taking notice. So Herod gets word of it. Um, and his first reaction is, this, this, this has to be John the Baptist who's dead. And it, this always catches me off guard when I read this. Because last time we heard about John, he wasn't dead. And Matthew's just like, oh, yeah, I guess I got to go back and explain the story. Mm-hmm. He, so he almost pauses. He goes, he tells, because he's, he's focused on Jesus' story. And in the story, Herod learns about Jesus and must think it's John the Baptist. So then Mark goes, or Matthew goes, okay, pause. I got to tell you what happened because I just yeah, told you he's dead. It's a great movie. And then they like gray it out yeah, or they put up like six months earlier, three yeah, years earlier. Or uh, Wayne's World. No? No. Oh. Yeah. I feel like John the Baptist would be a little more. Um, no, maybe he would. Maybe he'd be more Wayne's World. All right. Yeah, he was a weirdo. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, guy in like a camel coat and some locusts and honey. Yeah, yeah Wayne's World. Yeah. So, it, so he tells the story. And again, Herod, um, and he's doing a beautiful job of painting just the, the picture of human corruptness and brokenness. I mean, the whole story of Herod and his, he's married to now his, his sister-in-law was his sister-in-law. Yeah, this is the scandalous part. Yeah, and there's like the whole point of it. Like he literally, he takes his brother's wife. There's like there's war, civil war breaking out over this. I mean, it's terrible. He divorces. Uh, it was a princess. He was married to a princess of a different town, and so they were they had a pact, a treaty because they were married. He divorces her, so there's civil war on all the borders from that. His brother and him obviously riffing over stealing his wife. It's a sex scandal. Yeah, it's, it's an affair. War. That's, yeah. It's, and so Matthew's point is like, yeah, is there anything new under the sun? I mean, it's the same headlines today, right? And uh-huh. so, and I love that Herod points out that in verse 2, he's like, this has to be John the Baptist risen from the dead. That's why he has the miraculous powers that he does. Yeah. So he's he's pointing to Jesus as a non-Jesus-fearing, you know, following God. I got a lot of words there. God-fearing person. God, Jesus. But he's man. pointing to going... This is not natural. What he's doing is beyond the human realm. Right. Like, there's something inside of him that is miraculous. Let, let's pause for a second here and push back and look at the big picture of the life of John the Baptist. Uh, he's an unusual guy, very interesting guy, and he gets a unique assignment. You go out, and I'm, you're going to live in the wilderness. You're going to eat locusts and honey. There's a great diet for you. And you, by the way, I want you to preach and tell people let's, they're sinners and they need to repent. Let's start that new fad. We could probably start a new diet fad like locusts and honey. The John call the Baptist it, diet? Call it like real spiritualize it. Yep. We could probably. Hey, no. it's biblical. Come on. Okay. But <clears throat> if you're going to do that diet, then you also have to do what he did when he preached because he went out and just told people, hey, you're sinners. You need to repent. Change your heart. And he was bold and pointed and, and trending, but also hated by people that didn't want to repent of their sin. Anyway. And, and, and by the way, what the Lord didn't tell him is, hey, and, and I want you to go do this. And oh, by the way, it's gonna, not going to end well. At the end of your life, you're going to be in prison, and you're going to start having some doubts about whether Jesus is really the Messiah. And oh, by the way, they're going to take your head off. Yeah. And, and, and he doesn't know that, but he lives this exemplary life. And Jesus speaks, you know, praise and positive things about John the Baptist on more than one occasion. And... and it, this guy lives his life for God and lives his life fearlessly, and yet he has this human side to him that, you know, he struggled with doubts. I think we talked about that on a previous podcast. Anyway, and, and then his life ends up getting beheaded. Yeah, and I think, I think that's maybe the, the helpful fart. Helpful fart? Helpful, helpful fart. fart. 
I gotta hey get the words going. <laughs> As opposed to an unhelpful fart. You don't want those. Uh, sometimes you can't trust it, all right? Anyways, we've been there. Everyone's been there. Um, the helpful part still almost got didn't get it. Uh is how do we we gotta regroup here? Come yeah. on, let's be adults here. The helpful part of what? What are you talking about? For how, how does this apply to our lives? Yeah, Here's yeah. John the Baptist following Jesus, right? And he's pointing out other people's sins who are non-Jesus followers. So if we could kind of go back to the Judge Jesus series last fall, mm-hmm. and here he is. He that's why he gets beheaded. That's why we haven't got there yet in the the story here of the throwback is <laughs> the Herod's birthday. The daughter of the uh, um, the new wife, who's the affair, who's the scandal, right? Yeah, so it, this, that's funny too. Please this tears. used to be his niece, and now it's his stepdaughter. It's <laughs> yeah. When you go through the yeah, your sister in law is now your wife, who was like you were the uncle because she's the niece. Yeah, it's a tricky. And so, yeah, but in the end, he's his own grandfather. But then the little the little girl, through the influence of her mom, at the birthday party for her stepdad slash uncle or whatever, asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter. Like, hey, here's what I want you to do as your kid. Like, go ask for the death of someone as a reward for dancing well. Yeah, again, like that is just messed up and crazy. Again, John Matthew points out John. In, in to Craig, to your point, his message is, hey, repent of your sins. And so John John doesn't shy away, and he's an active critic of Herod. And he's like, hey, you're this puppet king, and you know the way you're living and what you're doing is wrong. You're oppressing God's people. You're letting Rome control you and dictate you. And you know, and specifically, hey, this, this wife sex scandal thing is wrong. It's not of God. It's not morally appropriate. Yeah. And you should stop doing that. And yep. he's not shying he away. He was very outspoken. Right? He's, and so... Her- he's an enemy of Herod, and therefore he's an enemy kind of of the state of the governing rulers. Mm-hmm. And so Herod doesn't like it, and therefore his wife, who's also involved in this sex scandal, doesn't like it either. She's like, this dude just keeps talking about us, trying to stir up a coup. And so, yeah, her, Mutiny. her she's an enemy. So, yeah, Herod, his newly stepdaughter, does a dance for everyone, and he's he's drunk and stupid, and he kind of makes this stupid statement. She pleases him with the dance, which, again, is just weird. And uh, he's like, you're so awesome. You made this birthday so great. You get whatever you want. Kind of a drunken, like, overpromise. Yeah. Right? And she goes, what should I ask for? So she goes to her mom. Mom, what should I ask for? She goes, you should ask for John the Baptist's head because this guy is causing too much of problems. I want you to ask because you get the gift. So through me, this is what I really want. Get John killed. And so she does. Yeah. Mom is manipulating the daughter in that instance. And it's actually mom who is responsible for John being in prison in the first place because Herod throws John in prison as a favor to his wife, says in the text. Yeah, because he's running around saying it is against God's law for you guys to get married. What Mm -hmm. you're doing is inappropriate. Yeah, and for sure she's going to exercise some power there. And Herod wanted to kill John but was afraid, verse 5, of the people because they knew John was a prophet. He was apparently like, afraid of his wife, too, because she says, put the guy in prison. Okay, honey. Yeah. Yeah. And so so the hel- the helpful part, oh, the other thing, bad bets. I made a I made a bad bet yesterday, but it, not really. You know, like how you say, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he made it. So it, it says, I mean, my, what is it, verse verse 9? He regretted what he said. He's like, oh, yeah. I opened my stupid mouth. I, I mean, have. it wasn't really real. My boys have been into poker a lot lately and different. So they'll just be random games of, like, poker while you're waiting for uh, chicken nuggets to go through the air fryer or something. And so five-card draw. We all play. 
there's no real betting. Wyatt starts the betting with one billion, kajillion, trazillion, you know, like, <laughs> sure. And then Olivia's like, sure, I'll I'll match that and raise you one expo marker, which was sitting on the island. Right. And I had I had a pair of aces going. And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. So I threw my cell phone, I threw my iPhone in the middle. And they were like, ooh, <laughs> with like everyone. And then why it's like 10 iPhone 14. You know, just this hypothetical betting. We get down to I ended up with two pairs, aces over threes. How many draws do you guys playing? One draw. One draw. Five card, one draw. If you know poker, like two pair with aces, that's pretty good in five card. Hayden throws down four twos to win the whole pot. What? I was like, this is cheating. How did you have four? He had is four he now the kind. proud owner of an iPhone? <laughs> I, was, I took that right back. There. He was like, no, you said. I was like, I didn't see your four billion, quadrillion, quadrillion in your iPhones. But I was like, oh, snap. I thought for sure I was going to win that one. And then called me. You know, I got a little whiplash at the change of subject there. I'm not sure how yeah. that relates to it. <laughs> well, well, Harris was like, ask anything you want. And didn't think oh, he was okay. going to have to offer I up John the Baptist's head. <laughs> he just thought maybe she would say, like, a weekend trip in the Bahamas or something, mm-hmm. right? So here, so help, help with this. Like, here's John the Baptist. He's losing his life from following Jesus. But he's calling out the sin of the people who are not following Jesus. Mm. If we go back to Jesus, we said, hey, if they're not Jesus followers, is it our job, is it our responsibility to point out, like, how they're living is not the way of God? And we kind of were like, no, nah, not really. So h- help us with, when yeah, you come but, across this, what do John's, you do with this? John's John is, role is specific as, I mean, he, yep. he he's a prophet. I mean, and again, when we talk about waiting for a miracle, he's relinquished the Old Testament, these, these voices of, of the mouthpiece of God to his people. This is what God says. This is what God says how we should act. And they did that to everyone. Hey, our neighbors aren't listening, but this is what God says. God wants us to live this way. He wants to speak this way and do this. And so John is doing that. His mission, like Craig says, it's a weird mission. Go be a weird, isolated dude, but proclaim the truth of God. You're going to be the, the weird dude with a with a blowhorn going, God says that is this is... Is it a blowhorn or a bullhorn? Blow, blow, I've done that before. You always point me. Bull. The, the person versus the object. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a helpful fart. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, this is this is the way of God, and so He's going to say that to the rulers and to the people. He repent for the kingdom of God is here. Yeah, and that's His role as a prophet. Yeah, I think that really is the key to what you're getting at. What Kyle said is He has a specific assignment. As Christ followers, generally speaking, it's not our job to point out the sins of non-Christ followers. We're really prone to point out um, the sins of non-Christ followers. And really slow to point out the sins in our own life, yeah. or in our brother and sister's lives. Right. But I don't think that there's a wrong thing in going, "Hey, this is what I believe the moral standard of God says," right? And I believe that this is the way of God. And I, I don't know where you are with your life and what you're doing. You're not following Jesus, but I think this is a better way of life because this is what God says. This well, that's is not pointing standard. out their sin. Yeah. That's proclaiming truth and, yeah. uh, and and what's righteous. And John does that, and then he takes it to the next level when he sees it, obviously, as a prophet going like. Yeah, hey, you, you're screwing up the whole world. You're the govern you're the leader and you're not living the way God wants you to. In fact, on a few occasions they came out to be baptized and he said, ah, you guys, go do some things that show that you really are repentant in your heart. Bring fruit consistent with repentance is yeah. how it's worded. Because John, we don't know for sure on this. John was real public as a prophet and these other things that are recorded, but like probably was pretty public with the situation uh, between Philip and Herodias? Apparently he was. Uh, Not Philip, but between um, Antipas and Herodias, right? So he's probably pretty public, so 
Hey, yeah, and I don't you think again. I don't think it was great. a secret. It was a scandal. There was wars breaking oh, out. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was. But John's, talk on the John's opinion of it, like you guys are going against God's. Oh way. yeah, he's but, tweeting about it. He's he's got his bull blow horn out, <laughs> and uh, people know where John stands. That's again for Herodias. She's like, get rid of this. You know, this mosquito buzzing in my ear. Like it's he's stirring people up. He can't stop talking about. It. So if we get rid of him, maybe some of the bad press will die down. Right, the articles will stop coming out because this guy is kind of. He's one of the, the the points of the spear in this movement. Yeah, I just think it's one of those tricky tensions because uh, if we were to be you know real transparent here, the the fact that you would have an honest conversation with someone who's not following Jesus, going, dude, the way you're living your life and the decisions you're making are not headed towards life; they're headed towards destruction because you're going against the way God's designed us to live and to flourish. Right? That's just a nicer way to say what John's saying here. Sinner. You guys are going against God's law to get divorced and cause chaos and get remarried here and you're living in sin. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so it is a tricky thing. Like, is it that your is that your job or your role? Like John's appointment here in his position, but with friends in our lives and people to go, you guys, why are you guys like, why'd you guys like shack up and living together? This is not going to work out. And I think, I think again, most of the time, we shy away from it. Like, well, it's not my business, not my job. God's not called me to that. Um, and we shy away, I think, a little too much at times when it is Probably our... So. Because we're afraid of not doing it through a motivation, a heart of love, and we've seen it done bad too many times. We've done it bad too many times. Yeah. We just come out and go, what's wrong with you? Like, this is horrible. Yeah. And we're not not have a good motivation. Um, but I just think that it's part of that tricky tension of following Jesus. Like, do you say something here or not? Well, ask the Holy Spirit. Be be guided and led by the Spirit of God in those situations. Yeah. You, you touched on it, Kyle, uh, more than once in the previous series where you talked about how... Um, the, un, un, in unoffendable? Yeah, yeah, unoffendable. That anger is not a great motivator, that love is the motivator. And sometimes the action can be similar or almost identical but the motivation can be night and day difference. And, and I think that's what we're talking about here. It's one thing for me to point out other people's sin in some sort of self-righteous way or to make me feel better about myself or to put them down or whatever. You know, there's a whole host of motivations that wouldn't be healthy or right or good. But if it's out of love, hey, I care about you and, and you're causing yourself pain and you're just, you know, you're hurting your relationships and you're impacting your family and there, there's stuff going on that... I just wish, you know, I could help you with, I, I care about you. And there's a that's, God that you're hurting. And like, there's a God that you're hurting. Whether you believe it or not. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? That's So so that's a different motivation. Yeah. yeah. Similar conversation, but a completely different yeah. context. That's good. And as you said, that, I mean, yeah, slow down. Ask the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of times we talked about this a lot with, with Judge Jesus is really asking some of those questions. Like, how is this helpful? And then the relational dynamic, obviously. I don't have a relationship with you, but I'm going to come from a self-righteous aspect and say what you're doing is wrong just because I think that I have some moral high ground to come and just condemn you. I mean, how helpful is that? Well, what, what was John's relationship? John the Baptist with Herodias. Like, what was his relationship? Yeah, again. I'm going to push back just a little bit because it is, I don't disagree with you, but I think it is a little tricky tension when we go, well, the basis of me speaking up is a relational basis first. And I think with the person, and I think John the Baptist illustration here, and for us, and again, people listening, hopefully you're like really listening to this part. 
it's our relationship with God first. So that relationship to be the basis in order to go to someone. And so the relationship with God drives my motivation. I love God and I love people and I'm motivated by love. But also, I may not know this person, but God is asking me to say something. Yep. God is asking yeah. me to that, act, that's good. I, and I, I have no that. relationship basis. I think it's too common in the church world to go, hey, if you don't really know the person, it's not your job to talk to them. No, or you have to I'm get saying. to know. I know I know you're not saying that directly, but I'm, I'm helping hopefully people listening in. I think it's heard a lot that way. Where if I don't really know the person, who, who am I to like say something? But I think, again, if, if we're putting this in the context of how this relates to us, you know, and obviously it's a bigger community, but going like, there's lots of times where I, I don't know somebody, but I go, hey, and what they're doing is not okay because it's hurting God, it's hurting people, like, right? Like, and I'll, I'll tell them, like, I just don't think, you know, and I, we have friends, I have friends that I've talked to and they're not followers of Jesus, but I've sat down, I'm like, man, the way you're doing relationships, it's obviously not working for you because, I mean, look at the, just look at the facts, but man, God's got a better way, and God's way is is beautiful and intimate and better. And uh, I just don't think what you're doing is right. And then from a bigger standpoint, like yeah, like it's obvious to look at this person and say, I'm going to stand on the truth of God and go, hey, God has a lot to say about how you should be managing your finances, and you're doing it wrong. And we're talking about it in the negative here. I, it works too in the positive, in the sense of if you're you're. Your uh, relationship base is with God first, and if you're not watching, I keep pointing up into like to me, <laughs> like and then outward. Then you can go, hey, I don't really know you, but let me just speak encouragement or prophetic word or life into you, uh, because I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit's saying to me in this moment. And and we wouldn't go, oh, I can't, I can't say a nice thing to someone because I don't know them. Yeah, it might be weird or feeling or a little bit to go, hey, yeah. I see this in you because it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me about how, like such a bold move that is and the courage inside of you and God is leading you and that is Jesus at work and you should keep following him and how he's using you is powerful and we don't we don't hold back as much on that front because we're like well I don't know the person I don't have a relationship basis with them to right. approach well you got a relationship basis with God yeah follow him yep like I, I let agree. that be the foundation versus you know your level of intimacy because even with people you know well you say something and then they'll tell you something you're like and you go I didn't know that and, and just to to continue to add clarity like you're trying to do, um, what you're talking about is something really similar to what we said about John the Baptist. When God tells you, when God leads you, when God speaks to you, when he puts it on your heart, your job is to be faithful to say what it is he's wanting you to say in the way that he wants you to say it and with the motivation and all that. So, so there's that. But I think as what we're also saying is that it's not, it's not our general assignment across the board for all believers at all times to point out the sins of non-Christ followers. Correct. Not at all. I mean, I, I just looked up, again, uh, John three seventeen, which says, God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come to judge. He is the judge, and he will judge. You know, we went in all, into all that on previous podcasts, but, but he didn't come here to judge, and he doesn't send us to judge. Mm-hmm. But... It, I think it's one of those things, like, most most of the time, you know, God's not asking us to beat you on the Baptist, to stand yeah, out in the see, desert that's, that, and that, to yell whitewashed tombs yeah. when, like, strangers show up and they're like, you're not really following God. What you do on the outside is, like, false. Like, look at the inside. Yeah, and that's, then you guys are living in a fair and you're the king and, or the rulers of this thing. And then, right? But he is asking us to do so much more than I think a lot of us takes take and take the courage to step out. Your yeah, right. to, to ha- again that relationship with God and understand 
God's calling on his people and what that would look like. Again, and for me, the the beautiful, beneficial way that God has laid it out, right? Like God knows the what works well in the human condition. He designed it specifically. And so for us to go like, yeah, what you're the way you're doing it, it's obviously not working, right? Your relationships are a mess. Your finances are terrible. You're anxious and depressed and like God has a better way. And it's just it's just true. And even on the positive side, we got in the car on Tuesday night from community group and Amy was like, yeah, I just really feel like the Lord said that I needed to just encourage and validate what someone else had shared on a little more transparent level. And and I was actually in the moment I was going to jump in and do it and she beat me to the punch, which is kind of rare, which is which was super fun. And then she said the like sentiments that I was going to say um cuz it was a beautiful wonderful moment of just their relationship with God and with people and um she just wanted to really encourage them and did that well. And then we got in the car and she's like, that was really Jesus. Yeah. You know, like, do you run around and say that to everybody for all things? No, but in that moment, follow the spirit, like be bold and lead with love. And um, I think we can take some encouragement from John the Baptist that um, our heads are not at, at stake here for most of us uh, today, wherever you're listening, because um, it is kind of creepy. Verse 11, his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl is, who carried it to her disgusting. mom. That's disgusting. I mean, to think about Like, back to the whole, just to close the loop on this scandal. Like, that's just a, and then the John's disciples go out and bury him. Like, that's the end of the episode. And yes. you're like, that's the end? Yeah. That's well, the I, end of again, the episode? I think, that's, I think that's Matthew's point. That's the flashback. And then he goes, okay, now let's go back to real time Jesus' reaction to that. And again, I don't think a lot of times, specifically starting in verse 13, we don't read this story in context. The feeding of the 5,000, right? One of these yeah. most famous miracles of Jesus. Like, Jesus just found out his relative, his close friend, his colleague in the kingdom of God movement, right? They worked closely together in this whole God, you know, kingdom of God movement. It's his friend, his relative, someone he loves. And he just found out he died in this gruesome, horrific drunken stupor of a stupid mess, right, for doing the right thing. And so Jesus responds how any of us would respond. He's devastated, and he wants to go grieve, really, is what he wants to do. He says, I want to get away. I need some time to process and to mourn and to grieve without all these people around, because there's people flooding to him. Again, it's the height of his, he's popular, he's trending, he's got people following him everywhere he goes. And, and his disciples, at this point, um, are like, okay, let's let's help out our, our buddy, our pastor, our friend. Let's get him away. Mm-hmm. So they get in a boat. Yeah. Well, that's a good uh, tease for the next time. Yeah. That's that's the old industry tease, Craig, before you head to the commercial break. Man. Next time on next Find time. and Follow. Right. Next time on Find and Follow, mm-hmm. you yeah. will discover who really did it. It's rare when you find like a, a show, though, where it seems like every episode ends that way, and you're like, are you kidding me? How did the, that, the, the plot twist and the story twist, and you're just like, that's so, how they hook you. And yep. like, oh, yeah. Next episode starting in that's three. That's where it just automatically plays. You're like, I gotta, what yep. are you, he's oh, on the. Oh, it's midnight. I should probably stop watching. The dead husband's on the phone now. Are you, how's the dead husband? Wait, he's not dead. Oh, ah. It's one of those. So brother. the current TV series, you have to wait a whole week or sometimes oh, two yes. weeks or oh, several yeah. weeks to, to the next Terrible. episode. Terrible. Binge watching it's, really shines okay. in those kinds we, of situations. We don't have time for that rabbit trail. <laughs> That's a problem of our society. But hopefully Instant we have to end for next week. Miracle of Jesus. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Well, have a great week following Jesus. Be bold. Be courageous. Follow in the spirit and uh, uh, just live in that life of love and uh, just 
excited to hear some of these miracles yeah. that God's going to do in people's hearts and lives and has done. Has done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, has done. So we'd love to hear anything that God's doing. Share that uh, with people you're around. Share it with us. It would be awesome. So have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Watch out for those unhelpful parts. Unhelpful parts. <laughs>